Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, Pray Then in This Way, Our Father in Heaven, and is based on Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. It was delivered on Sunday, February 26th, 2023, by Pastor Steve Pierce. turn with me now to Matthew's Gospel. We are on page 787 in the Pew Bible, or you can look it up on your phone. Um, This is the New Revised Standard Version, and we're on 787, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. Listen now for the Word of God. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. There was a minister in a particular church years ago who really enjoyed children's moments. And one Sunday, he invited the children to come forward, and he showed them one of the old telephones, the dial-up telephone. And some of our young people have no idea what those are. It's amazing to me. It used to hang on the wall. You pick up the receiver, and it had the long cord. And so he brought one of those. And he talked about how when you're on the phone and you're speaking to someone, you can't see them, but you know they are there. You can hear their voice. You just trust it. And then the pastor said, so that's exactly how God is. When you're talking to God, it's like talking to God on the phone. You can't see God, but but you just know God is there, and God is listening. And a little boy looks up at the pastor and says, oh yeah? Well, what's his number? (laughs) You know, that's a great question. I think a lot of us would like to know. I think of the uh, cartoon character Ziggy. Remember Ziggy in the paper? Um, You look at the Sunday comics, Ziggy was always in there. And there was one of him standing on top of a mountain. And he's just looking up at the sky. And the sky is dark and there's just one little cloud up in the sky. And he's standing there frame after frame after frame after frame, staring up into the sky. And the last frame says this, He yells out, have I been put on hold for the rest of my life? That's how life can feel a lot of times. That's how it can feel as a Christian when we're 
talking to God and we want answers. Or it just, sometimes when we're praying, it feels as though we're staring up into a dark sky and there's not much going on there. And that can be difficult. It's mysterious. But this Lenten season, we're going to unpack the power of prayer through the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to talk about why Jesus gave this prayer to his disciples and why we, each and every week, say the same thing over and over and over again. Almost as if it's rote. It's rote memory and we say the words, but do they actually mean anything for us? Some like to use and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Others say and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And each and every week at Central, we'll say and forgive us our debtors as we forgive those. Wait, how's it go? (laughs) It's not just a prayer. It's not. This is a vision for life. These are the priorities of the kingdom, okay? And it's the vision for life in Christ in the already but not yet kingdom. And we've talked about that in previous sermon series. This prayer acknowledges the injustice, the hunger, and the evil in our broken world. But it also pleads for transformation. It shows us how to pray, how to live, and the very things that God wants us to remember. And you might be wondering, well, what's the connection with Lent and the Lord's Prayer? The season of Lent is a season for remembering. Our season began on Ash Wednesday, and what a pity that we had a massive ice storm that prevented us from gathering at either the 12 o'clock or the 5.30 service. But at those services, we would have been confronted with The ashes. And the ashes are symbolic for what? Remembering. They're also a sign for mourning. They're a sign for repentance. The ashes represent a desire for deep change within one's life. Henry Nouwen, in his book, The Living Reminder, tells us that from a biblical point of view, remembering means more than recalling an event or a person. Remembering means participation in actualizing former events and people. And so by remembering, we enter right into the past. This coming um, Sunday, we're going to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And as we do that, we remember together that Jesus isn't just asking us to recall all that took place with his crucifixion and how he died. But he also wants us to remember how he lived so that as we live our lives, we will live more victoriously for for him and for God's kingdom. But you you look at the the front of the communion table. Now, the antependium that normally would cover that isn't. We we have, um, I guess there would be communion table falls and they're beautiful. But if you see, there's, there's a message in there. Who, who can see it? Somebody just say it. The steward in remembrance of me. It's an invitation to come into the very real presence of God and to do the very things that God has taught us. And so at Central, each and every week, we come to this beautiful sanctuary. And I like to think of it as a weekly homecoming. 
You know how schools have homecomings, and it's a big, it's a big event. Lots of money and energy go into the posters, and, and, and people advertise, hey, we're going to have these events, and these are the speakers, and we want all of our families to come and to be a part of homecoming. Come to your alma mater. Come and celebrate your son or your daughter at this particular school. Well, this is what we do each and every week. We come here for a homecoming. And the pattern of our worship is pretty simple, and it's pretty consistent. We have a call to worship. We sing. We confess our sins. We are assured of God's forgiveness. We share the peace. We hear the word. There's good news. Then we affirm our faith. We respond by giving our tithes and our offerings. We pray. And then we are sent out into the world so that what happens in here doesn't just stay in this beautiful sanctuary, but a part of it goes with us into this community and beyond. It's a remembrance. It's a reformation. It's a renewal. And so the Lenten season is all of those things. It is to remember or re-experience. It's to be reformed. It's to be made over. It's to be renewed. It's to be made new by God. This is the power of the season of Lent for each and every one of us. But I'm going to hold the tension a little bit longer. Because each and every week we come to the sanctuary, it's not just something we're doing, like the Lord's Prayer when we say it. We're not just saying this. We're not just coming here for worship. We are coming here because we know deep in our hearts that we are sinful people. We know that we want forgiveness, we need forgiveness, and each and every week we come here for our homecoming because we are children of God. We belong to God. We remember the prodigal son was called to return home to his father. Like him, we've gone astray and we've forgotten who we are. Uh, Like him, we end up in the pigsties of life because we forgot our heavenly father. Uh, Like him, we are lost in a foreign land. Like him, we can return to the father by repenting. Only to be surprised that God is more willing to forgive us than we are to ask for forgiveness. There's a wonderful psychotherapist by the name of David Benner. And I have read many of his books. He's a prolific writer and just so insightful in many different ways. But one of his more recent books is Spirituality and the Awakening Self, The Sacred Journey of Transformation. It's a great title. And in this book, he offers many helpful insights about God's love and the human journey we all share. And this particular passage leapt off the page for me. This is what he says. Life has a direction. It is returning to its source. The outflowing vitality and love of God that is life itself leads back towards God. This is the key to understanding the human journey and the key to understanding the transformational journey of human becoming. Transformation is not simply change, nor is it reducible to maturation or self-improvement. 
Transformation, he writes, is movement toward wholeness. It is an unfolding of the self that moves toward being at one within ourself and with God. We are home. These are powerful words. They cut to the heart. Because each time we gather for worship on Sunday, we are gathering to affirm that everything that exists is being held this very moment in Christ. And that everything that exists is being made new in Christ. As Benner himself says, these mystical truths may be beyond our comprehension, but they are not beyond our potential experience. Is it any wonder then Jesus taught his disciples that when you pray, pray this way, saying, Our Father in heaven. You can say that on an island down in Florida. You can say that on a mountaintop in Washington. You can say that prayer on the Great Wall of China. You can say it in a war-torn country like Ukraine. Our Father in heaven. Jesus wants us to remember who God is. To participate in that repentance, forgiveness story. He wants us to connect with God every time we pray saying, Our Father in heaven. What a statement. It reaffirms our core belief as Christians that God is our celestial Father, both with us in spirit and above us in the perfect realm of heaven. But the opening address also unites Christians worldwide into one community of worshipers as we pray, our Father, and not individually, to my Father. And from there, after invoking our Heavenly Father, there are seven petitions. May your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is more than a prayer. This is about how to live. This is a vision for how we live in the already but not yet kingdom. And so if we're seeking to be good and faithful steward, uh, of servants, then as children of God, we focus our thoughts on what's most important. And as we're praying, we can be confident that God hears us because we are God's children. When we talk to God, it's not like a citizen speaking to a president. It's not like a subject addressing a king. No, no. It's a daughter speaking to her father. It is a son speaking to his mother. Jesus said the relationship of a child to a parent 
is the basis of all true prayer. Now, there are three young children in my life named Campbell, Layton, and Graham, who, if they need something, they know that they can come to me and I will do whatever I can to help them. They can come to me in confidence. They know I'll do anything and everything in my, within my power to meet their need. This is because Campbell, Layton, and Graham are my children. And I know that they are on loan to me and to my wife, Monica, for now. But one day, they're going to say, hey, you did great, but we're off. We'll call once in a while and we'll check in with you guys. As, you know, and some of you are there now. And there's that old joke, how come the kids don't call? How, how come the kids don't call? But they will call. And they will check in. And they will want to know that we're still there for them in any way that we can be. Jesus said this. He said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? The Gospel of John goes on to say that this confidence is what we have in him. And and the word in is a preposition that literally means beside or with. One pastor calls this a preposition of intimacy. This would mean the moment we pray, we are immediately seated next to God, our Father in heaven. It's as if our prayers are whispers directly into the ear of God. When we take time to concentrate our thoughts and pray, God takes time to listen. As I've shared in the past, one of my favorite verses is in Psalm 66, Psalm 66, verse 20, where we are told God will never turn a deaf ear towards us. And so God listens thoughtfully. God listens magnanimously. God listens completely. Why? Because we're children of the living God. God already knows if we're having a bad day. God already knows if we're having a good day. The point is God wants to hear from us because we already belong to God. It's a young mom cleaning the first story of her two-story house. And her six-year-old daughter was upstairs playing. And suddenly, her daughter broke out into a song she had just learned at church. And so the daughter sang, The Lord is my song. The Lord is my praise. All my hope comes from God. The Lord is my song. The Lord is my praise. God, the wellspring of life. And the mother stopped in her tracks and she shed a few tears for she was not having a great week. 
And in that moment, when she heard her daughter singing, all of her troubles seemed to be sucked up into heaven, only to evaporate. And in that moment, when she heard the singing, she remembered. She remembered the source of her life and joy and the promise that Jesus has made to all of us, that in my Father's house there are many rooms. And she remembered in that moment the one for whom she belongs. She remembered her heavenly Father and that she's a part of a family. Yeah, God is in heaven. But that doesn't mean God is distant. One theologian put it best, the one who is exalted above all creation is present throughout creation. And so during this season of Lent, we will remember and we will pray because we belong and because we are connected to each other. This we do because Christ asks it of us. Let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, we do give you thanks for this day and for your word that challenges us every time we hear it. May this prayer that you first taught your disciples be so grafted within our hearts that the words will bring forth in us the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We would ask that this would happen, not for our glory, but for yours. For we ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people say, Amen. to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.